Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm John Ledyard, your host from over at FanRagSports.com. And joining me today is a special guest and Ravens insider voice. We get to kind of dive inside. We try and do this every week. We dive inside the uh, opposing team that the Steelers are playing because I think it's really important for fans to understand the matchup in its entirety. And there's always something that someone who watches a team consistently every single week can tell us about that team that we can't glean ourselves. So Matthew Stevens, the managing editor from Ravenswire.com, the USA Today Ravens site, has joined us to talk about this matchup that has typically gone in favor of the Steelers, Matt, but the Ravens have had some battles, and they've scrapped some wins out, and they know how to play Pittsburgh tough. This is always a fun matchup. So before we dive into it, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show, and how are you today? Uh, thanks for having me, and I'm doing fantastic today. Really excited for this Sunday night game. It's uh, kind of the highlight of the season, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because everybody, and you look at this slate of games this weekend, and you understand why. Everybody wants to see another game flexed. They want to see you know Minnesota-Carolina and, and, and Goff and Wentz battle. One of those games get flexed, and I completely get it, and I would love to see those games uh, in primetime as well, but... Steelers Ravens man it just you got to have it in prime time especially cuz this is the Ravens aren't that far off they're back to 7 and 5 there was an ugly there was some ugliness early to start the year but the offense seems just like it's finding itself a little bit they're up to uh third uh, 13th in the NFL I think this year in in points scored per game I know a lot of that's the defense setting them up and they're still only 30th in yards offensively 31st in passing yards but they're starting to run the football better what's lent itself to this offensive turnaround what's been the main catalyst for the Ravens kind of finding themselves a little bit over the last couple games you know I, I think the big thing is getting uh back to the run game and letting you know alex collins the the running back for for baltimore letting him kind of do what he does which is you know, pound it up inside uh the offensive line has done significantly better and, and in addition to that you know taking away some of that uh you know short to the middle passes that uh you know flacco has been throwing a lot this season they, they kind of let him unleash it a little bit last week and, and you saw it uh you know it did well Flacco went ahead and threw uh two touchdowns and you know found Mike Wallace for 66 yards and, and really kind of helped back uh the defenses off of the line of scrimmage which then opened up really just everything else yeah, you mentioned Mike Wallace and the big passing plays down the field. And when I watched Baltimore last week, I thought that was exactly the difference. They found that big playability that really this offense needs. If it's going to be kind of a grinded out offense, they have to be able to hit you quick from time to time. Wallace is a guy that has kind of been ripped on a little bit. He's not really found a ton of sustained success since he left Pittsburgh, at least not like he had when he was with the Steelers. But he's still been a pretty productive receiver here and there albeit very inconsistently not truly a one-trick pony but he does seem to thrive on getting vertical and he certainly whooped up on the Steelers before with other teams uh, based on his big play ability last time they played him earlier in the season he almost had a big play and Flacco missed him I think down the sideline he beat Artie Burns on a double move uh, but they just couldn't connect do you think, given the fact that the Steelers have given up so many big passing plays of re, of, re, of late, uh, with the injuries in their secondary, Mike Mitchell being banged up, no Joe Hayden, Artie Burns struggling, you think the Ravens t- tend to look at this matchup and say, we're going to the air, we're going vertical, we're going to make the Steelers play in the big passing game, and they're probably, I would think at least, and you correct me if I'm wrong, going to look to do that with Mike Mitchell, or Mike Wallace, I'm sorry. 
you know, I, I don't think the Ravens will get too far out of their comfort zone, if, if I'm honest. And mm-hmm. some of that's going to be run, 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 try to connect a big passing play sure. uh, here and there, and then throw a lot of underneath stuff, try to go ahead and get guys like, you know, Danny Woodhead and, and uh, you know, Jeremy Macklin, try to get them involved on the underneath, and hopefully you can kind of break something there, but really just move the change or chains. And, you know, eventually – Something's going to break. Either you're going to find Mike Wallace on that big play, uh, you're going to get Alex Collins to go ahead and bust a a, a 50-yarder, much like he did last time. Um, You know, one of those things is eventually going to happen, but really you're going to rely, if you're Baltimore, you're going to rely on that defense to, you know, play the field position game and and to try not to go ahead and, and, you know, make any mistakes either way. It's funny because the Steelers and the Ravens have exchanged so many blows over the years and so many different players have (laughs) have kind of – etch their name into this matchup and Alex Collins really isn't one of those guys yet but when I watch Alex Collins I think this guy looks like he was made for Steelers Ravens matchups he just runs hard and physical and fast and he just seems like one of the vintage players from that matchup and maybe this season's the start of something like that for Collins 144 carries 705 yards averaging just under five yards per carry four touchdowns even when it hasn't been against Pittsburgh I've been so impressed with Collins Ability to create, ability to break tackles, continue to fall forward, fight for extra yardage. I couldn't believe he bounced around the NFL like he did before he landed in Baltimore. I wasn't crazy high on him like other people were, but I thought he was a good mid-round back that could at the very least be a solid backup. He bounced around a couple spots and ends up in Baltimore and doesn't even make their team initially. And then here he is active and leading the team in rushing and pushing for an 1,000-yard season and certainly been very productive per carry. What's the best things you've seen from Alex Collins? What makes him such a good fit in Baltimore? You know, Collins, I think uh, when I look at him, I see a touch of, of Jamal Lewis, mm. a, a bigger back, a guy who can pound it up the middle, but is surprisingly agile and, and, and doesn't get tangled up with his feet and, and still has that kind of unusual breakaway speed to a certain degree. Now, now Collins doesn't, I don't think, has as much speed on, on the back end, but, you know, enough to go ahead and you can pitch it to him on the outside and he's going to... He's going to go ahead and clear the edge a lot faster than you think. Hmm. Uh, all in all, you know, I, I think I think Collins is just one of those guys that is is willing to um, constantly go at it and and constantly attack and constantly pound his way in there, knowing that he's going to find some room. You know, in in the third and fourth quarter when defenses get a little bit more tired and, and Baltimore's offensive line can use their aggression, uh, you know, a, a, a for their own benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think I think Collins is just a good all around back. Yeah, I've been very impressed with him this season when I've watched them. I've thought he was a guy that, like you said, they need to keep feeding offensively. Uh, the offensive line, I think, was a massive question mark coming into the year. Some of the injuries, Marshall Yonda gets hurt then. And, you know, it just seems like you look at this group and you're like, man, James Hurst at guard, Ryan Jensen at center. Matt Skura in the interior, you know, Austin Howard was a really rough last year for Oakland at right tackle. He struggled down the stretch of last season. A lot of people thought his best football was behind him um, at at this point in his career at 30 years old. And, you know, it it seemed like this was a group that just, if the Ravens were going to be successful, it seemed like they would have needed a really strong offensive line. And it didn't seem like they had one. But they've started to come on a little bit lately, and they're certainly far from perfect, and I think every Ravens fan would say this group still needs an upgrade. Let's start with Ronnie Stanley, though. What have you seen from Ronnie Stanley in his second season, first-round pick? I feel like no one's talking about him, but that's probably a good thing if you're an offensive lineman, right, that nobody's talking about you. Has he impressed you this season? (laughs) 
You know, he has, and, and it, for exactly that reason. He's not a guy that you've gone, hey, Ronnie, come on. Mm-hmm. He, he's been able to go ahead and, and contain the edge on, in the passing game against some pretty big names defensively. Uh, and, and, again, do so without his name really being called or being mentioned, um, which for an offensive lineman is, is, you know, that's how you make a career, uh, you know, out of, out of just stopping those guys and not making any big plays uh, in either direction. Uh, in the run game, you know, he's just like with the rest of the, the offensive line. That's kind of where he's flourishing a little bit right now. Um, but, you know, for, for a second-year guy, you know, he's, he's done incredibly well. And, and I think Baltimore has to feel really, really confident in him moving forward. I mean, he, even just now as a starter, he, he's, mm-hmm. you know, he, he can make a case for being a pro ball player right now. Right. Uh, that's got to be great in your second year if you're Baltimore. Right, I would agree with you. Yeah, I think if you draft a tackle as high as Baltimore did and they've turned out as well as Stanley's played over the last two years, I mean, that's just a position that's so depleted across the league. If you can find a couple other guys to fill in these other spots for the future and through the draft or free agency, whatever it might be, I really think you're set. Obviously, Yonda, they'd love to see to be one of those guys. But with his injury, who has impressed you the most with how they've stepped up on the rest of the four offensive line spots? It has absolutely been Ryan Jensen, and I find myself nearly every game calling him out on Twitter for just you know so, some ridiculous play, whether it be you know before uh, uh, the play's over uh, or whether it be you know after the whistle. And, and, and uh, you know he's a guy who is incredibly aggressive and reminds me a little bit of, of Yonda in that regard, but uses that aggression uh, properly. For the most part, he'll get himself a, a penalized every now and again. But mm-hmm. it is a guy who, when the whistle's blown, he's still in in the defender's pads. Hmm. Yeah, that's what you want up front. That's what, and especially in place of a guy like Yonda, because you mentioned it, it reminds you of Yonda, and that's encouraging, I think, because if you're Jensen, that's a mentality that needed to be almost replaced in the offensive line. Baltimore was never going to win through this finesse style of football. They need those guys like that who will go after people up front. And as you mentioned, that's not really Ronnie Stanley's MO. It's definitely not James Hurst's MO. I can tell you that from having watched him. Austin (laughs) Howard's got a little bit of that. Ryan Jensen's got a little bit of that. And I think those two guys adding Howard late and maybe Jensen's addition really kind of added that nasty element to this offensive line that they need to be able to play the brand of football that they, that they, have now it hasn't just been on the offensive line this entire Ravens team has been absolutely decimated by injuries and that as tragic as that is for Ravens fans and as much as they look at that and I'm sure are frustrated and we're going to talk about Jimmy Smith and some of those other injuries at length as you look across the entire team and you see guys that have stepped up in place of those who've gone down injured. I mean, look at the just just the injury list for Steelers fans who may have forgotten or Ravens fans who may be listening and, and, and would like to hear a list of the commiseration that Steelers fans can share with them. Uh, Darren Waller suspended for the year. Crockett Gilmore, a tight end who had come on two years ago, I think it was, and he ends up uh, ending up on injured reserve. Nico Siragusa was a rookie guard who I'm sure would have played. Marshall Yonda, Jimmy Smith now, um, which is a really unfortunate injury 
one of their best defensive players. Uh, Ken Dixon, the running back. Tavon Young, the nickel corner. Uh, Brandon Boykin, who Steelers fans will remember as well, was brought in. He ended up on IR. Alex Lewis probably would have started on the offensive line. Brent Urban was a contributor on the defensive line. Albert McClellan at linebacker. So the list just goes on and on and on. So many players for Baltimore that would have been key contributors this season. In the wake of all that, Matt, who has stepped up on this team and impressed you the most or filled the biggest role in place of someone who's gone down with an injury? Uh, you know, that, that's a tough one because I think, I think as a whole, the team has just kind of done a really good job of stepping up. Mm-hmm. And then the guys who are healthy, uh, who were starters to begin with, have kind of helped fill that void a little bit. And, and the offensive line is the perfect example of that. You know, Austin Howard and, and Ryan Jensen have helped kind of uh, uh, take Matt Skura and, and, and make him into a player that eh, probably he probably actually isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ryan Jensen and then Ronnie Stanley has, has helped James Hurst uh, significantly. So I think everyone's just kind of filling voids that aren't even necessarily their own position and help raising up players uh, uh, that – you know, aren't their usual uh, uh, selves. So, uh, you know, if I have to pick one player who has kind of stepped up, uh, and, and injury or not, but, uh, you know, Willie Henry, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. defensive tackle, they've kind of moved him around a little bit to defensive end as well, uh, you know, is a guy who you, you will find him around the football. And in this game, you're going to find him. Either he makes a big play or he is going to constantly be – in the way mm-hmm. um and for a defensive lineman that is all you could ever ask for is just get in the way just be around the football uh and, and something positive is eventually going to happen yeah it, it, that's a good point about henry i i have noticed him consistently when watching baltimore the season be disruptive and i don't think he did he have any playing time as a rookie i don't think he really played did he he had a, a very small amount, okay. um, but no, I mean, essentially not. Right. I think, I thought I had remembered that. I know Kalfusi was hurt as a rookie, and Wormley's a rookie this yeah. year, and Ricard's a rookie, and Pierce was a rookie last year, and so many young guys. Carl yeah. Davis, I know, has missed a lot of time. So many young guys up front, but all guys that really I kind of liked. I mean, in the range they were drafted, you know, you know, all mid-round guys, Kalfusi, Wormley, Davis, all third-rounders, even Brandon Williams, a third-rounder going back to 2013, then Henry, a fourth-rounder, Pierce, an undrafted free agent, and he might be one of the best defensive linemen in the league. Henry was a guy I really like coming out, so I'm, I'm really happy uh, deep down to hear the, you say that, <laughs> that he's playing well right now. That was because I thought he was a fourth-round steal. Pierce, let's talk about Pierce, man. Because everybody wanted to talk about Brandon Williams a couple years ago, and and rightfully so, Brandon Williams yeah. is a beast. But Michael Pierce, man, this dude, how did he go undrafted? I don't, I I cover the NFL draft, and I read about tons of these guys, and Pierce <laughs> was never even put on my radar. So I blame the world in some ways. <laughs> no, I don't. But oh, I, should, yeah. I, I feel mad I didn't <laughs> scout him, and now here he is starring with the Ravens, and I'm like, wow. If I could have seen this guy in college, I feel like I would have been high on him. But he's an absolute fire hydrant inside. Yeah, I mean, I, that's something you can really point to just as a Baltimore thing. They they know their defensive talent and, and have done a great job of finding undrafted players and then being able to thrust them either into starting lineups or, or into you know a rotation and have them do exceptionally well. Um, I mean, only if they had that same knack for getting wide receivers. But, uh, you know, that, that being said is, is, yeah, I mean, Pierce is, is a prime example in, in – I mean, you can look at, at, at you know, previous guys, uh, uh, you know, guys like you know, T- Tavon uh, Young, uh, uh, 
you know, Maurice Kanaday is, is now a guy this year, and these are all defensive backs, but, you know, Bart Scott was an undrafted guy as well. They seem to find those guys, and, and uh, you know, some of it might be the defensive talent around him, uh, but, uh, you know, he, he's he's a beast. He's he's moving guys consistently, and again, as a defensive lineman, if, if I can push an def- you know, offensive lineman five yards back, I don't care what version of a play. It could be a passing play. It could be a running play. I am going to go ahead and disrupt that play. Right. Uh, You mentioned the undrafted guys and the success they've had there. I know one of those guys, and I'm going to butcher his last name, but Patrick Onwusor. (laughs) I'm not sure I'm saying his last name right, but I know he's an undrafted guy. I know he's played a ton for Baltimore this season. What has stood out to you about his play? You know, he, he initially was behind uh, Kamale Correa right. uh, as the you know outside linebacker and then pretty quickly took his job. Um, and, and some of that comes down to he, he can tackle. I mean, the, the guy is consistently able to go ahead and, and wrap a ball carrier up and, and bring him down to the ground, which sadly has not been great with Baltimore over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, part of it's that part of it's he, he's another one of those players that's always around the ball and, and he's young. So he's still making a few mistakes and he's, he's playing, he's, he's reacting versus playing instinctually still, right. but it's the type of thing that you like to see out of a guy, because once he gets that mental side down, you're suddenly going to go ahead and have a player who is always around the football, but now is a step ahead. And and that's how you go ahead and end up making big plays. So, uh, you know, a developmental guy still, but, you know, if, if you're Pittsburgh, if you're any other team in the AFC North, that's a guy to kind of keep an eye out for because you're suddenly going to start hearing his name a lot more, uh, I think, next season. The Steelers fans are very familiar with Tyus Bowser and Tim Williams because we were on edge <laughs> defender alert uh, during the NFL draft. We knew that was probably the direction the team was going early, didn't know exactly who they were going for. As it got closer, we kind of realized they weren't really seeming seeming that interested in Bowser. Uh, Tim Williams was a guy who I think had, had character-wise had worked his way down the board a little bit, so they wouldn't pick him in the first round. So they weren't maybe they faded off the radar a little bit as we got closer. But early on in the process, Bowser Williams they were guys getting a lot of attention in relation to Pittsburgh. I know that they haven't played a ton this season. I know their snaps have seesawed a little bit. Looking at the numbers. What have you seen from both of them? Why are they still, at least it seems, behind Judon? Is there development there? Just kind of what's the story so far with Bowser and Williams? Well, for Bowser, I mean, what what we saw out of him early was extreme range. Um, you know, a guy who is is going to be able to go ahead and cover running backs and tight ends coming out. Um, but that's probably all he has right this minute. Um, he's still trying to work on again the the mental things, the the playing instinctually rather than reading and reacting and being late. Um, and, and in coverage, that's going to burn you a lot. Right. Um, you know, I mean, realistically, the first matchup between the Ra- the Ravens and Steelers, that that's exactly what happened. I mean, Bell ate them apart partly mm-hmm. because it was a lot of reading and reacting versus playing instinctually and knowing where Bell was going to go. Um, you know, so so some of it's that. But I, I think for, for Ravens fans, you should be excited because Bowser was, again, pretty consistently able to go ahead and make a tackle. And open field tackles as a linebacker, you know, covering somebody is, is far more difficult than fans ever give it, cre- uh, give it credit for. Mm-hmm. 
but he was able to consistently make those tackles. He, he has plenty of range, um, but he just, again, needs to get the mental side down. Uh, and that's, that's why his snaps have kind of veered off a little bit. Um, and, and they've asked uh, Tony Jefferson as the strong safety to kind of come down a little bit more and cover guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it essentially took away some of his role. Um, for Tim Williams, you know, Matthew Judon has done so well this season, and Terrell Suggs as well. Um, you know, they really haven't, uh, as a team, had a lot of use for Tim Williams yet. So, you know, I think he's, again, one of those guys that you sit, you let him learn, you, you give him a few snaps here and there, but uh, you, you primarily let him learn, you know, this year, maybe even next year, and then hopefully he picks it up much like Judon has, uh, and hopefully you have a guy that, that can go ahead and um, maybe take a Terrell Suggs job when he eventually retires. But uh, as of right now, both of them just kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're rookies and the Ravens don't have to play them, so they're not sure. playing them. Right. It seems like the Ravens have very few misses through the draft on defensive players. Judon's a fifth rounder. I know, again, this was a guy, Steelers always have the edge guys on the radar, so watched him closely. This was the range I thought he'd get drafted in. Seen some good things this year. I think he has a good number of sacks this year as well. I know that he's been productive. Um, he's played hard. What have you? Is Judon like a flash-in-the-pan type of guy, like a good guy to have right now, but eventually he's going to be a guy they want to replace and you know, good filler, he's the best option they have opposite Suggs, most ready option, or is he a long-term answer at the position? I think the Ravens are still trying to figure that out, but it looks more like to be a, a long-term answer. Uh, you know, a, again, they're still trying to figure out exactly what he can do and what he's great at, and then get him to be consistent at that. Mm. Um, I think he has six or seven sacks right now, but you know, he's gotten those through three or four games where he has multiple sack efforts, and, yeah. and he shows up really big in some games and then completely disappears in others. It makes some pretty boneheaded plays, honestly. Mm. Uh, at, at times, and, and you know, while you like the aggression, while you like that type of stuff, it uh, if you're not playing consistently, it it's, it's ends up being a bit of a, a burden at times. Um, so, I, I think that's part of it. I think they're 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 seeing what he can do and seeing if he can be consistent. And if he can, then you know that's great. Then he then he's he's going to be a starter for this defense for quite a while. If he can't. Um, then, you know, they, they've invested so much in outside linebackers and, right. and pass rushers recently. They'll find one of them will work out. Right. The Ravens develop talent on the defensive side of the ball as well as anyone. They'll need to do that quickly in the secondary. No Jimmy Smith. Huge loss for the Ravens. Obviously, still have Tony Jefferson, Eric Weddle on the back end and safety. I think you know what to expect from those guys. The secondary outside, even you know, outside of Jimmy Smith, has really played well. I think I've been really impressed, at least with Marlon Humphrey. I know he kind of had some ups and downs last week, and I know he did against Pittsburgh as well. The first time they played, other than that, I feel like he's been mostly good from what I've seen. Uh, Brandon Carr, I know, has had a pretty nice season in Baltimore. Maurice Kennedy, you mentioned isn't him as a guy that's stepping up. Who's going to have to be the big guy? Is, is this Humphrey's time now? Is it, he he got to be ready as a first rounder to step in, play like a full game's worth of snap counts, and be a big time contributor for this defense? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if, if you're Baltimore, Humphrey is the guy you're probably going to try to sit on uh, uh, Antonio Brown, which is a huge task in your first real game. Um, but he's he's physically everything that you want in a cornerback. Right. He's aggressive. Uh, he's he's strong. He's got some speed to him. Uh, but as you mentioned, you know, he, he has given up some big plays uh, over this season. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it realistically has been just those small things. He's been, you know, in the hip pocket 
pocket of the receiver, but just hasn't timed the jumps well, mm-hmm. hasn't gotten the hand in the right spot. And, uh, you know, that's all things that, that come with experience, that come with time. Um, and sadly, you know, for the Ravens, that time has to be now. He has to figure it out. And he's going to get probably everything the Steelers have, at least initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was a guy I liked a lot coming out. I definitely admitted that he was a boom or bust type, a little bit of a risky pick. But when he landed in Baltimore, I said, he's going to be all right because they know how to develop talent on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that they will eventually get him there. Tough matchup. Antonio Brown didn't practice today, by the way. So maybe he avoids a miss. We'll matchup. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. I think that could just be a precautionary thing with Brown, you know, keep him as fresh as they can for the game. Uh, as we saw, he doesn't really yeah. need to practice to be able to be at his best. Steelers Ravens, <laughs> the matchup as a whole, before we, before we let you go, Matt, the Steelers Ravens matchup as a whole, you, you see this this game. What is one thing maybe on the offensive side of the ball that you think Baltimore really needs to do well in order to be able to either hang with Pittsburgh or be victorious in this game? And one thing maybe on the defensive side of the ball that has to happen uh, for them to have the same result? I think offensively it's the same thing that happened last week. If you can get the passing game going and, and not four or five-yard uh, uh, passes, but if you mm-hmm. can go ahead and get the deep ball going – you can go ahead and pile on points um, against, you know, against defenses, uh, especially if the defense hands you the ball within, generally yeah. speaking, scoring range. Right. You need to put points on the board. So if, if they can get the passing game going, they're going to take advantage of the turnovers that, that undoubtedly Baltimore, uh, Baltimore's defense is going to give them. Uh, defensively, really, uh, most of it is – Contain Bell and contain Brown. If you if you can keep both of those to manageable games, you're not going to shut them down. It's just not going to happen. Um, but if you can keep them to manageable games, I don't think Pittsburgh has really anybody outside of that, especially with uh, you know Smith Schuster being uh, suspended for this game. Mm. I don't think they have anybody outside of that that's that's going to be able to step up into a role and take over the game on on Pittsburgh's offense. Uh, which will then force Pittsburgh to toss the ball up a little bit more. And, and that's where the Ravens have been great at, is then picking off those passes right. uh, and, and turning them into points offensively. So, uh, you know, if, if they can do those two things, I, I think Baltimore realistically can not only just beat Pittsburgh, I think it could be a game like last week against Detroit, where yeah. all of a sudden the, the score gets a little out of control. Yeah, Absolutely. Matt, I agree with your assessment entirely there. Matthew Stevens, he is the managing editor for RavensWire.com, the USA Today Ravens site. You can follow him on Twitter at Matthew S underscore NFL. Make sure you guys do that. Matt, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for having me. I love talking Pittsburgh and uh, Ravens uh, uh, rivalries. Absolutely, my man. We'll have to do it again sometime. Matt Stevens, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back early next week. We'll talk about Raven-Steelers matchup, talk about how things went down Sunday night, what the Steelers need to work on and improve. A lot to assess in this week for the Steelers. They are banged up. No question there. There are a bunch of injuries for this team. They're going to have to respond to some adversity this week in a, a really an important game against the Ravens uh, for Pittsburgh, an important game to maintain any hopes they have of home field advantage as well uh, throughout the playoffs over New England and uh, perhaps to cast a little doubt in the Ravens' playoffs hopes, although I think they have to feel pretty good based on where the rest of the AFC uh, wildcard potential teams are at. So we'll be back early next week. We'll wrap all that up and more uh, moving into the next week as we get closer and closer to Christmas time. Until then, Keep it locked right here on Locked on Steelers.